We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven, and I am your host, as always. And joining joining me today is my guy, Tyler. Tyler, what's up, man? How are you doing this morning? Doing very well. Yesterday, we did a thing. Tomorrow, we're going to do a thing. And Tuesday, you'll see the thing. Yeah, it's going to be so much fun. I seriously cannot wait. Uh, also got news about another thing we've been working on, too. Oh, yeah. So, um, and also, our, uh, our plans for the uh, draft coverage are, are all coming together. So... I'm um, going to have a lot of guests coming on the show while we are live streaming each day of the draft. Um, day three is mostly going to be me and Tyler kind of just, you know, chopping it up. But uh, for days one and two, we're going to have a lot of guests planned out for you guys to be able to uh, listen to. So uh, some thoughts from some big people such as a certain somebody from Underdog Fantasy, from the draft, draft Network, as well as The Athletic. So we got some big guests lined up for for next weekend too so gonna be a lot of fun can't wait to do it draft coverage draft night is like my favorite part of doing the podcast and so you know next week is is like content creator super bowl and uh hopefully you guys <laughs> tune in yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun i'm so excited that i'm going to be there all three days i am excited for thursday of course as everybody is but i'm actually really more excited for the next couple of days because then it's just like what can happen and who's falling and we're checking our boards and yeah, you know, I think give or take, we've got like 125 to 150 people by the time Thursday rolls around. And that's a lot of fun. I love looking for the other guys and the different things that the Chargers could do. 
21. I think we've simulated so many times, but I can't wait for everything. But still, it's going to be fun. We have a lot coming your way next week. Subscribe, follow along. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah, it is. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of like national attention, right? Like Monday morning, there's going to be a lot of mock drafts that come out. You know, Daniel Jeremiah with his final mock draft, Peter Schrager, all these guys. And that's really when stuff is going to start like leaking out, like like full time leaking out. So, you know, this was uh, at this time last year, you know, the national media was still very much on the wide receiver at 17 train. Um, and then Monday, it all kind of flipped towards offensive line and uh, a little bit of, of cornerback talk, which obviously they, they took a cornerback uh, later in the sixth round and the seventh round. But um, so this is definitely the most important week of draft coverage in terms of national media, because this is really when they're going to be able to pick up some steam on certain things. So uh, it's been very wide receiver, tight end heavy. Obviously, Bijan has has some love at 21, but. I'm very curious to see how or if the the national media narrative kind of changes with the Chargers on Monday and Tuesday. Hmm. It'll still be wide receiver. I, <laughs> I, I I don't I don't see that changing. Um, the national media is going to continue to project a, an outlier wide receiver that the Chargers would never have gone for before to the Chargers at 21, and I can't wait to watch them do that. Um, I love it. Hey. You know, but I, I think the projections are not off a good idea. Like, I don't think I, I follow the logic with who they're projecting. I do get some things, of course, but I don't know if we're going to be the ones projecting wide receiver, but I guess we hope we're wrong. Yeah. I mean, we, I would love to see them add some weapons, right? I, mm -hmm. Frankly, I'm happy at 21 with any of the weapons, any of the pass rushers. Like, mm -hmm. I don't think that there's like, I mean, there are some bad case scenarios. Like if they draft a linebacker or a defensive tackle at 21, I'll be pretty upset. But, you know, if they as long as they add a weapon or a pass rusher, <laughs> I'm relatively cool. Yeah, that, that's how I feel. Honestly, looking at the board, considering where the charges are, even if they sit at 21, I'm happy with 15 players, it feels like, which again, screams, please trade back. Yes. But there's really not going to be a player that they can announce where I go, oh, that's a bad selection. Um, would I go different directions? Maybe, but... If you go receiver, great. You go tight end, great. You go edge rusher, great. Uh, yeah, linebacker would be a big no. <laughs> Corner I would get. Yeah. Safety is probably early considering the group, although maybe it depends on how you like how they officially would announce branch. Mm -hmm. But I'm, generally speaking, I'm happy with any pick that they could make there. So hopefully it's not. Um, in 2019, I with Bold Beat, I tweeted out, there's this player and there's this player. Look at all these different players they could take. And then at the very bottom of the list, I wrote, and Jerry Tillery. Um, <laughs> and they ended up taking Jerry Tillery. So, you know, <laughs> I guess it is possible to be potentially disappointed. But even the, even then, I got why they took Tillery because they needed to get after Brady, get after Mahomes, that sort of thing. So I get it. Yeah. And at least he, you know, checked the physical boxes and he went to Notre Dame. So, you know, yeah, was in the realm of possibilities, I guess. Yes. And there's another player. Notre Dame checks a lot of boxes within the realm of possibility. Okay. Okay. I do want to consider this because the Cowboys might fall in love with them. I'm not saying the the actual compensation here because I don't think that's happening. No. Um, but unless you mean the first is the 29th pick, then I guess I could kind of see that. So you've talked about on Twitter, like, okay, if, if and we've talked about if Zay Flowers is there and the Chiefs want him, do we give the Chiefs basically what would end up being Zay Flowers? Although I don't know if that we would actually know that. Um, would, would you give the Chiefs that for several picks? And then same thing here. If Bijan Robinson's right there and the Cowboys go, I will outbid any single person 
and give you so much draft capital so we can get B. John Robinson. I don't know, man. Like this is the top five player on our boards. Yeah. I still think you do have to take him at that point at 21. But the Cowboys could be a team that could legitimately give the Chargers a haul if they fall in love with him that much. Yeah, I I would not be shocked if if that were the Cowboys thing. Although they apparently love Michael Mayer too, so you know that makes uh, sense. That's what Dane Brugler did in his mock draft. So hmm. I I personally would not pass on Bijan Robinson if Bijan Robinson is there at twenty one. I'm probably taking him. Yeah, um, especially with all the Austin Act. Austin Eckler uncertainty and you know that's that's crazy for us to, on this show to be advocating for taking a running back given you know how much we you know put into data and analytics but mm-hmm. um I think the chance of getting a top five player in this class would be too much to to pass up on so you'd have to give me like a ton of picks and so you know Daniel Popper did this article of like what kind of packages the, the Chargers could be looking at in terms of trading down and you know, they have to get all the way down to 27 to like outright get a top 100 pick and like not have to send anything back in return. So like even if you trade down with the Cowboys at 26, like the value would dictate that you get a third round pick, but you have to send like a fifth round pick in return, you know, and, and like I think you still probably do that trade. Right. But um, anything bills and and lower you can get outright 100 a top 100 pick and maybe then some like if they trade that trade down with the eagles i think uh the value would be like a second round pick and a fourth round pick and then like you send like a seventh and the and then you swap first so um you know with the cowboys you're probably looking at like you get a third you send a fifth maybe they send like a seventh too to like maybe make it super equal so um, you know, the trade value of, of trading down five spots isn't super high, but anything under the bills, like they can get like a pretty solid return for uh, pick 21. Yeah, absolutely. Another one I've sort of noticed is, is the Bengals. I went through their mock drafts and who do they want? They want one of these two tight ends. They want mm-hmm. one of the premier tackles that are left and it's a drop off, right? So would they want to risk that? I think the Bengals are a team who could go, you know, maybe we want Michael Mayer or something and the Chargers go, well, you know, we can find a, a different pass catcher or an edge rusher. Uh, maybe one of the corners if somebody starts to slip. One of the tackles, yeah. obviously. So I think the Bengals are actually a team to keep an eye on, too. And I think they are the first one in, in Popper's mock where it's an outright you get a third, but it could yeah. be wrong. Yeah. Um, for the Bengals, like, it definitely is offensive tackle. So I, I think if you're a person rooting for the trade-down scenario, which I think, you know, if Bijan is off the board, if the pass rusher is off the board, I think you want to be rooting for that scenario. So trade-down-wise, like, you want – like just the one receiver, just Jackson Smith and Jigba, like off the board. Like maybe you can afford to have, you know, the Seahawks taking one at, at 20. Maybe you want an offensive tackle on the board too, on Anton Harrison, or, you know, the league seems a lot higher on DeWan Jones than, than I am. Um, so that's that's definitely a possibility. I, I've thought a lot about like the Bills as a trade-up scenario because they they reportedly feel like they're like one piece away, like offensive weapon away. A lot of people have connected them to B. John Robinson, but similarly to the Eagles, like they just they don't value running back that way. So they're reportedly enamored with Jordan Addison. And like, you know, I, I don't know if he would make it to 27. So like, mm. you know, I, I think to me, like them trading up to 21 to get Addison would make a lot of sense, especially if the Seahawks took like Zay Flowers at 20. Yeah, I'd be happy to give the Bills that pick. Not that I dislike Addison. We'll see in a bit. Like, I think he's obviously a good receiver. I don't think there's anybody who thinks he's a, a bad receiver, but he's not 
worth not getting two potential picks elsewhere. Um, so yeah, I give them up. Yeah, I would as well. All right, so uh, today we're going to go over our final big board. So each of us have watched and graded at least 150 players. I think I'm sitting at like 170 right now total. I might add a few more after that. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. I don't think there's going to be really any surprises in terms of top 60 selections for me in terms of my my rankings. But, um, you know, I'll, I'll wrap it up over the, this weekend. So we're going to do that. We're going to reveal our top 60. Um, before we get started there, Tyler, I just want to have, have a conversation about some players that have maybe made some significant moves after a rewatch, after like revisiting, after testing or something like that. So let's start from a positive light first. Who's somebody who, upon a rewatch after the combine, has moved up pretty significantly for you in this class? Yeah, I would say that's it's a big Iowa theme, but Sam Laporta, <laughs> for me, has moved up. He's yeah. uh, not necessarily in terms of ranking, because I think he was sixth before. I think now he's fourth. But like in terms of the big board ranking, yeah, he's moved up pretty significantly. Um, I didn't get him past Darnell Washington, but I, I do think... I'm under I, I even think honestly that I'm undervaluing Sam Laporta. Like I do want to go yeah. off. There's a lot more media love for him sometimes where he's like, oh, this could eventually be like tight end two or tight end three. I'm yeah. not quite there yet. Um, and I do want to trust kind of what I saw um and generally who he is. But he tested really well. And the more you watch other DB film or the more I've just seen other people post some things about him and what he can do, it's like Ooh, I didn't see that game. Let me go like double check that one because I didn't see that particular play or these set of plays that like, oh, I didn't know he could do that. Um, and then you just talk about the pedigree, um, you know, coming from Iowa and that sort of thing. So, yeah, he's he's moved up my board probably the most, I would say. It's just every time I, I think about him, he's moved up a couple of spots. Not a top 15 player for me. I don't think anybody really has him in that range, but he's someone who's really moved up the boards hasn't necessarily on the mock draft simulators like if you go mm-hmm. do the simulators he's basically been the same um he's not like just thinking about him and iowa's offense and tight end and all that like it's not really like exciting but the more i just think about it the more i feel like this is a really 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 solid tight end prospect and he deserves to be a bit higher up than some guys that maybe i want to take a chance on but like no nah, I, want, I want laporta to be higher yeah, no, Laporta is is definitely somebody that I, I think both of us are kind of on the same page there. Although uh, we'll see where you kind of have him in the in the top sixty here in a second, but uh, I think he checks a ton of boxes for like what teams are looking for in in a modern NFL tight end. And I think it's very interesting, right, to do an exercise where like, oh, like we can take X player in the first round, or we can take Z player in the second round, and maybe we're getting a similar kind of prospect, right? And to me, that's like Dalton Kincaid versus Sam Laporta. I think you're getting like a very similar player with Sam Laporta, you know, stylistically. I do think that Laporta has, you know, a, a bit more athleticism to him than than Kincaid does for what it's worth. But, um, you know, I, I think you can do similar things with Laporta that you can potentially do with Kincaid. You know, put him out in the slot, option route him, isolate him from the backfield. I'm concerned about both of them doing like a ton of inline work, but like you can sure. isolate them from a route running perspective from in line. Right. So, you know, it just is, it, it, it's an interesting, interesting exercise. Like if you're a team who wants Kincaid, maybe you just might wait for Sam Laporta in the second round, but then you also have to play like, okay, what if we miss out on Laporta too? So um, Sam Laporta is definitely underrated in this class. Um, I, I think he's a fantastic tight end last year. He would have been my tight end one in, in that class. Oh so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty easily too, you know, 
And that could also be said for Darnell Washington. Like this tight end class is just, it's just a ton of fun to watch. I think there's a ton of star talent, ton of depth, depth as well in this group. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree. Um, so for me, uh, I would say this is Miles Murphy. Miles Murphy, okay. I think. Yay! Um, <laughs> I think when you watch his 2022 tape, you see almost like a discount version of Jadavian Clowney. And I mean that mm. as like a compliment, right? Because I think like his strength is like run yeah. defense, right? And being mm -hmm. able to set the line of scrimmage and then stack and shed and be able to make plays on the football. Like, I think when you watch his 2022 tape, that's what stands out is his ability as a run defender. Mm -hmm. You know, somebody who can be physical, mug up the, the line of scrimmage, and then like occasionally show you some good things as a pass rusher. But then you go back and watch some of his 2021 tape, and some people have pointed this out. You know, they did lose their defensive coordinator uh, mm. and a bunch of defensive coaches. And I, I believe their defensive line coach left as well um, mm. after the 2021 season. You know, that the defensive coordinator obviously took the job at uh, Oklahoma as the head coach. So you go back and watch the 2021 tape, and I think you just see a, a different kind of urgency as a pass rusher. And so I think he had a bit more of a plan, felt a little bit more comfortable. You know, in 2022, there was a lot more like four-eye stuff from Clemson's defense, and that was both for him and Brian Brzee. This could be Brian Brzee, too, for what it's worth. Um, but Miles Murphy currently has a first-round grade for me, so that this is where I'm going. So I think if you watch the 2021 stuff, I think you feel much better about his ceiling. And I think you feel great about his floor because of that run defense, because of his strength at the point of attack, and because of his get-off. Like, I think he does have one of the better get-offs in this class. So um, when I watched Miles Murphy uh, on first watch, I gave him uh, like, like a mid-second round grade. And then once I watched the 2021 stuff, I bumped him up to a, a first round grade. So he's right at the cutoff. He's he's right at a seven for me. Um, so I don't like think he's like an elite, elite you know, talent, but I do think that he's, he's definitely worthy of a top 15 selection. If he's there for the Chargers at 21, I'm, I'm probably sprinting to the podium at that point. Yeah. That's disgusting. The idea that Murphy <laughs> and Mac could line up next to each other and just power rush somebody is absolutely yeah. disgusting. Um, I mean, really anybody There's several edge rushers in this class, of course, but Nolan Smith definitely has something different to him. It's a completely different kind of player. Mm -hmm. What Murphy brings is just, it's just the power, the get off and the motor combined with each other. Like, yeah, it's just a great, great pairing with good athletic traits as well. Like he's a lot of fun. I liked him a ton. Uh, first round grade from me. Again, not like like you said, not an elite, elite grade. He's not Will Anderson, um, but I, I do think he's a legitimately solid player. And I, I, he's fallen. It, it seemed like he was the edge, you know, three potentially two. I think there was a point he was edge two on the consensus board over yeah. Wilson. Yeah, but Wilson's kind of jockeyed up the board. Murphy. I mean, like now you can get him in mock drafts for the Chargers, and, and that typically hasn't happened. So I'm not saying that's what the NFL feels. You know, it's obviously very different than a consensus board, but I don't know, man. If he's there and you're screaming for, you know, Jordan Addison, no offense. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. As a USC fan, I'm taking Miles Murphy. Like, he's just awesome. And he's, it's a perfect pairing with him really any of these edge rushers, but like the idea that you could also use him inside and he can work a lot with Jay Rogers. Yeah. It's just, it's just, that would be a dream pick for me to be completely honest. Yeah. I was uh, doing an, an AMA on Twitter yesterday and somebody asked me like dream scenario and, and miles Murphy is in that scenario. Right. Cause I think this team needs more pass rushing juice. They need a long-term answer at edge. Like hypothetically speaking, like you presumably lose one of Joey Bosa or Khalil Mack next year. You know, you get Miles Murphy in this room for a year to learn from these two guys to develop and, and take that step. 
and then he's your edge two next year at this time. So uh, would love that scenario. As Arjun points out, you know, there are some teams that obviously he fits a lot of the physical prototypes for the Packers at 15, Seahawks at 20. Those are definitely, you know, possibilities for him. Same thing with Lucas Van Ness. I think Lucas Van Ness is, is in that same kind of conversation at 15 and 20, although Van Ness kind of has some more top 10 hype than, than Murphy does. You know, there's a certain team in Philadelphia that uh, is pretty commonly linked to Lucas Van Ness. At 10? At 10, yes. I mean, honestly, if any team can get away with it, it's a team with a bunch of freaks on their defensive line. Yeah. Like, <laughs> That's 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 a great spot. I mean, that all the pressure's off. Yeah. Um, oof, Reddick on one side and Venice on the other is a perfect like two different kind of tandem. And then Jordan yeah. Davis, obviously, and all these guys. Like oh, that's a good D line, man. Yeah, that that defensive line is 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 nasty. You know, they could take. Uh, you know, I mean, there's there's a lot of options for them with two first round picks. So hmm. um, on the opposite side of the spectrum, I'll, I'll go first here. I think the player that I've kind of soured the most on is Kalijah Kansi, the defensive tackle from Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was one of the first players that I watched. And I think from a pass rushing perspective, like you see the burst off of the line, you see his ability to make plays as a stunt man, as a looper. Um, you see his hand usage as a pass rusher. And then you just like keep watching from a down to down basis and like how these teams in the ACC would go at him in the run game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they were they were not afraid to say, hey, like, where's where's Cansey at? Like, let's double team. Let's go duo. Let's go. Mm. Let's go right at him. And I, I think I I still had a pretty high grade on him. And then the combine came and like everybody freaked out because he ran super fast and he jumped high and all yeah. that stuff, which are great. But then the official measurements came out and he's like six foot and he's like 280 pounds or, or whatever the official benchmarks are, you know, 30 inch arms. Like I just I, like I just have such a hard time wrapping my head around a defensive tackle of that size, you know, not being able to defend the run and like taking a first round pick on him. And of course, there's all the Aaron Donald stuff, right, which I think is ridiculous because Aaron Donald's like one of the strongest players in the league. And had no issues against the run. Like he was obviously an elite defensive tackle all around. So, um, you know, Kalijah Kansi for me is somebody that I've soured on just because I don't think you're getting like a three down player. And I don't think you're getting somebody who can develop into a a proper, uh, you know, run defending defensive tackle. So he he can shoot gaps well enough. Like if you're a a 4-3 team and you want somebody to just fly upfield, like I think you can do that. But then he also takes his, he takes his, his self out of run run plays as well so you know for a team like the charters that really pride themselves on like two gapping and like being physical at the point of attack like that's just not Clyde Kansi's game and that and the Chargers scheme is all over the league like 10 teams in the league run the Vic Fangio mm-hmm. defense right now where defensive tackles have to two gap so yeah I just I have a hard time really buying into Clyde Kansi as a first round pick I still really like him right I think he you know he makes my top 50 but yeah. um you know he's somebody who's who's fallen quite a bit on my board yeah, he's a player. It's tough to say. He's kind of moved, and I think who is it in the chat? Um, DZ in the chat says the the hype has been a roller coaster these past few weeks. That's how it's been for me watching him. And I think people, we posted him at sixth or whatever, fifth uh, a defensive tackle in our rankings. I know we had the same ranking at the time, and it wasn't like one of the higher ones. And then he's you know, a great combine, tested really well, and suddenly he was the next Aaron Donald. And <laughs> people are mocking him to like top fifteen. Chargers fans are asking for him and I just it's not that I don't see it because I mean this is someone who's very high on our composite rankings I think he's number one or two 
on our stats-based rankings like. And that's something I, I do prioritize in my grades and trying to, you know, figure out who's who and how good someone is. I don't know, man. There's just something about the the, the film against the run, like you said, and the way they would go after him. And then just the transition to the NFL. I was talking to someone about how like Telesco would look at a, a defensive lineman. And the, the the first thing is is arm length, of course, like in terms of measurable attributes. The arm length is the most part, you know, is the priority for a Brandon Staley defense and in this defense. But if you do not have arm length, the next thing would be height. And he doesn't have that either. So I know Chargers yeah. fans really want him, but I, I just think that with neither the arm length nor the height, I don't buy that the Chargers would be in on him at 21. Uh, to me, he's a top 50 player. Of course, there's so much to like. I just, I need to see it work first, I guess. Like if, if Cansey goes into the league and is the outlier that could, and suddenly he sort of kind of can change the way you look at these guys with, you know, sub you know, with 30.625 arms or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, 278 pounds or whatever he ended up being um, shorter as well. If he works out, hey, then that'll change the way I look at some of these guys and go, okay, well, maybe I don't believe in this or this or that. But can't see worked out. So maybe I should consider something else. But until then, I got to wait and see. It's funny, though. Someone else mentioned, I forget where it was on Twitter that I saw this. And I had a total flashback. There were only like X amount of players that were like drafted and played a certain number of snaps in the NFL with that arm length. And one of them was Tenny Palepoy, who was a former Charger. So (laughs) nobody drafted him in the first round. No. (laughs) But that is something to keep in mind. So there, random there fact go. of the day. Random fact of the day. Uh, is is Cansey also your choice then? No, because he was never really like high up on my board. He wasn't my choice, but he also hasn't moved. Like he's moved up some because I'm like, okay, I kind of see what people are going for with the whole pass rush thing. Tested really well. Maybe in the right scheme, he fits somewhere. But then it's like, okay, now he has to be in a certain scheme, has to fit a certain mold. And wasn't like there are things on tape that aren't great. So I kind of moved him down again. So it's kind of just stuck. Like he kind of just has been in the same spot for me. If I had to pick a faller, okay, one I'll mention real quick because it's the injury concern is Ty J Spears. Apparently there's some medical something that he, apparently there's an issue. I don't know what it is. Um, so he's moved down for me. Nothing's really been confirmed, but I guess there's an issue. So he's moved down for me. And you know how much I love him. Um, I would say Keon White then because. Mm. And I don't think it's necessarily been a key on white thing as much as, well, one, I had, a, I had a harder time, like I think everyone is, solving the puzzle that is key on white because, okay, he's a former of this, and now he's switching to this, but he could be a D tackle, but you see some traits at edge, you, you know, he could be a defensive end. So you see some things that work, but then he went, and on film, he looks twitchy and fast, but then he went to the combine and didn't do so hot. And you'd hope for like, if you're going to get a guy who's supposed to be an upside freak athlete, He's probably test like that too, and he didn't. And then just as I kept adding players, he just kept falling down. Like, I don't think there was a Keon White movement as much as, no, I understand that guy's role more, and I graded mm. him better, so he's going up, and he's going up, and he's going up. So I got a lot of guys just pushed Keon White down for me. Not that I was ever very, very, very high on him. He was in my top eight or whatever we did before. Um, yeah. I just think the other players have, are different positions, but have better grades and more defined roles and maybe as much upside and so he's kind of fallen, fallen down the board a bit. I believe still in my top 50, but not as high as uh, he was before. 
Yeah, I moved him down below Charbonnet in my running back rankings. Uh, so he's still he's still number four for me. He's still in the top fifty, but um, yeah, I think from a medical perspective, like we just don't know enough right now. And so you know, if he does start to slide on draft night, like that does seem like a a real possibility. Unfortunately, as much as we you know love the player there, yeah. And then you were never really high on Keon White to begin with. No, I never really saw that one. <laughs> never really got it. Yeah. 280-pound uh, defensive end that can't set the edge. Not really my thing. <laughs> um, all right, Tyler, let's uh, let's jump in here to our top 60. Um, again, this is our final big board ranking. So these are the players that we feel best about in this class. Um, we're going to go 60 up to 1. We'll highlight a couple players in, in, in each of the sections here um, as we really dive into this. So, Tyler, you want to kick us off here? Sure. So I'm going to copy and paste my group here. A um, couple of, I haven't put an asterisk next to everyone's name that has an injury. So maybe I missed someone, but um, 60 to 51 for me. 60 is Zach Charbonnet, then G.R. Brown, Javon Dexter, Keanu Benton, Kelly or Kelly Ringo, Isaiah Foskey, Jack Campbell, Cody Mock, Keon White, and Ty J. Spears. A lot of players that I like. I think most of them have a second round grade in mm-hmm. this group here. So I do really like them. Um, as you're going through my list, as people are looking at my list, running backs, you know, linebackers, they fall down several spots just because of positional value. So, like, yeah. I like Jack Campbell more than Keon White in terms of grade. But if Keon White's going to play, you know, pass rusher, edge rusher, like that is going to take precedent over Jack or, yeah, precedent over over Jack Campbell. So, sure, um, that's my grouping. Cody Mock hasn't really moved for me. Foskey, I've really tried because people, some people are like, well, why why do why do people dislike Fosky, what what is wrong with him? Because he tested well, the numbers are solid. He's got the right length and the, the size for the position. It really just comes down to the film and, and watching him try to rush the passer. Like if you want power, then I think he can do that. But there's not much after that. And I, 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 I tend to not like Fosky types. I guess in terms of edge rusher, I try mm-hmm. to look for guys who I, I'm a Ben. Ben is good. Ben is the thing I like. That's the Nick Benito. That's the Jalen Phillips. That's the things that I'm looking for typically like that's the most important thing with pass rush plan of course Foskey just doesn't have any of those things i do think he's a legit option at, at 54 for the chargers mm-hmm. um, and i'd be totally cool with that because he fits a lot of things that they want to do and you could do worse than finding someone who's actually very good against the run but in terms of like the most important thing in the nfl it's rushing the passer and i just think that there are other guys who can do more yeah i like the balance of Foskey and chris rumpf as as like your backup edge rushers right um, but I think from a pass rushing perspective, like you always look for somebody who really has a plan and like, do they have something that they really hang their hat on and can they counter off of that? And and in college, like you can really get by, like, frankly, you can get by as long as if they have like the one plan that works. Right. And Isaiah Foskey, like, it's just, it's bull rush and it's speed to power. And if it doesn't work, like it just, it just doesn't work. So you know, I, I think as a run defender, he's fantastic. I think you can make an argument that he's probably the best run defending defensive end edge rusher, maybe outside of of Tyree Wilson, um, maybe Miles Murphy too. So he's in that conversation for me. But uh, yeah, as a pass rusher, I think there's a there's a lot left to be desired there. All right, so I'll go my sixty through fifty one here again. Like you, I'm just gonna copy and paste. And then mine are in italics, so I've got to change that. Um, okay, so number 60, I have Tyler Scott, the wide receiver from mm-hmm. Cincinnati. Number 59, I have Tyreek Stevenson, the corner from Miami. 
uh, Isaiah Foskey at 58. So we, we feel pretty similar about him. Mm -hmm. um, Antonio Johnson, the safety from Texas A&M at 57. Josh Downs, the wide receiver from North Carolina at 56. Roshan Johnson, the running back from Texas at 55. Drew Sanders from Arkansas, linebacker uh, at 54. Dewan Jones, Ohio State offensive tackle, 53. Tomiwa Adebarwe at Northwestern, 52. And then Luke Musgrave, uh, Oregon State tight end at 51. So um, kind of some overlap here in terms of mm -hmm. some of these players. But, um, you know, Drew Sanders, I think right at 54, I think is a an, an, an potentially interesting omen. Um, you know, one of the guys I, I talk with on Twitter quite a bit has has mentioned the idea of like the Chargers taking him at 54 and maybe replicating the Kyle Van Noy role with with Drew mm -hmm. Sanders, which I think makes a lot more sense. And if you have that kind of role for him in mind, I think that would bump his value up. I think if you're just talking about Drew Sanders as like a pure off ball linebacker, then, you know, you probably have him sitting here at 54. So I, it just kind of depends like what you envision for these players. I don't know how much I want to like invest a top 50 player in like a hybrid player as opposed right. to like a true like off ball linebacker or a true edge rusher. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, Drew Sanders is an interesting one. I, I like his work, um, you know, as a linebacker. I like him as my second linebacker in the class. But mm -hmm. uh, for the Chargers, I could maybe see that working out for them. But I just I would rather just take it pure edge rusher. Yeah, I would agree. I, I do like that idea. I kind of prefer it with, I mean, this is easier said than done, either Nolan Smith or BJ Ojolari. Not that either of them play linebacker, but you could line them over the A-gap. You could do some other things with them, although they'd be more of an edge rusher. So I kind of prefer like an edge rusher type who can line up over the A-gap and do some linebackery things than a linebacker who also isn't like clearly defined yet in his role. It's not like in college for two years, three years, he yeah. was this certain role and played that and we have film and numbers and stuff like that it was the one year and it was it was you know a lot of great stuff but a lot of hit or miss stuff as well um but yeah that's an interesting one there drew sanders i think just didn't make this list and then i have not watched stevenson uh luke musgrave is 50th player there you um, go. <laughs> so we're off, we're off by one spot um not too far off on dewan jones obviously um antonio johnson not too far off um yeah, Zach Harrison, I guess, is another person who sort of moved up-ish for me. Mm. Although I did have him. I think he was my just missed last time. I just am kind of going to bet on this one working out. Not that I think he's you know a top 20 player by any means, but I just have a good feeling about him and the situation that he'll go to. And, of course, working with Coach Ed, like I think this is a player who's enormous, um, who has a lot of more traits and upside um, honestly, then someone like a Keon White, like I think Zach Harrison, if you're looking for, you know, to, to get Keon White, unless you feel like he's a defensive tackle, I'd honestly rather go for Zach Harrison, especially if you can get him around later, because I just think that they like, I mean, Zach Harrison is a big, strong, incredibly fast edge rusher type defensive end type. Um, and I do really like, so Laporta talked about him moving up. He moved up, but to 42 for me, um, Obviously, Jonathan Mingo is now in my top 50. He wasn't because I didn't grade him when we uh, did our rankings, but he's in the top 50. Mm -hmm. We talked about Mims versus Mingo for a bit there. Um, I'm going to keep Mims ahead because I do believe overall he was able to show more in college, but it's very difficult for me to say that Mims is easily going to be the better player in the NFL once he gets there. But it kind of just comes down to situation at this point. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, I, I think I, I feel similar. Zach Harrison, is, is, uh, he'll, he'll be like in the 70 range for me, so I don't necessarily... Uh, super disagree with um, him at 43. Actually, I think he's probably like mid 60s. My bad. So yeah, he's like mid 60s, but um, physical tools. I mean, he was like a, a, a pretty good track star in high school too. So like, imagine a guy that size running track is just kind of hilarious, but um, you know, length, size, you know, he's a, he's a lot of, uh, a lot of fun to watch. Um, okay. So I'll do mine next here so uh 50 i have ty j spears at that point um you know right there at the cutoff so again that's more health related than anything else um cam smith the corner from south carolina at 49 so similar uh grade for him between me and you uh jonathan mingo at 48 keanu benton the defensive lineman from wisconsin at 47 zach charbonnet at 46 felix Enudike uzama at 45 Marvin Mims at 44, so pretty similar there between the two of us. Uh, Kalijah Kansi, uh, who I mentioned earlier, and then Jalen Hyatt at 42, Kitty Ringo at 41. So um, the Jalen Hyatt thing has been a, an experience <laughs> this year for me too. Um, you know, initially, like you watch him against Alabama, and like, and if you just watch Alabama, you're like, holy shit, this is the greatest receiver I've ever seen. Um, and then you just kind of dive into him. I think it's gone a little bit overboard in terms of like the one trick pony thing. Um, I do like his ability to track the ball. I like his ability in contested cat situations. Um, and he only really has had like one year of reps. And so I think he can develop more into than just like a one trick pony. So, um, I do have him at 42 cause I think there's a play strength concern, right? I think that's a, that's a pretty common theme, but, um, you know, I have him ahead of Marvin Mims and Mingo, who two guys who I really, really like. Um, it's just, like I said, I think there, there are some concerns. But I think, you know, if all you are is an elite deep field threat, then, like, you're going to stick around in the NFL for a very long time. So, um, you know, it, it's kind of crazy to think about the Chargers potentially getting Jalen Hyatt at 54. 
at this point when like two months ago they would have had to take him at 21 um so i i would be thrilled man if they get Jalen hyatt at 54 i think that's an, an incredible value and he really elevates the offense so um haven't talked a ton about Jalen hyatt recently mm-hmm. but i do think that the uh consistent dunking on him as a one-trick pony has, has gotten out of hand yeah i don't really get that one either I understand that, yes, he is a speed threat. That is his thing. But I think like Trey Palmer is kind of more your one-trick pony, even though I think he's a maybe does better work at the top of his routes. But like I think that he's a bit of a one-trick pony. But with someone like a Trey Palmer, you have catching issues. You have, I, I don't say yak issues, but he's not as proficient after the catch as someone like Hyatt. So yes, Hyatt is a speed threat, deep threat, of course. But A, nobody could stop him. You know, like like Hendon Hooker said, it's not my fault. Nobody on the defense could stop him, uh, my receivers. And yeah, Jalen Hyatt, like it was very difficult for him to be stopped. Um, so he's solid. I think he do great work after the catch. His hands uh, are fantastic. So there's a lot more to him than just that. I think when people just mention, oh, he's a one-trick pony, like I feel like there's more attributes to be added to that. Like, yes, he's a fast, speedy receiver. And that is kind of his trick. But he can also work after the catch. He also has great hands. And he's not one of these guys in this class that's shorter. Like if you're looking for speed, let's say speed threat Marvin Mims or speed threat Jalen Hyatt, some teams will go, let's go with Hyatt because he's a taller guy. And so yeah, we, we feel a bit better about his body type perhaps than someone like Marvin Mims. So, you know, I listen, if he's there at 54, I, I would honestly, if the Chargers traded back to 29 and took him, I would, I would get it, you know, or whatever yeah. it is, 30. Like I would understand why they would take him in the first round. Because I do think he's that talented. He's not in my top 30. I think he's just outside my top 30. But a lot of talent there. And there's just not a lot of guys in this class who are both fast and his size. And with the numbers that he has, like he was first in this class in yards per route run. Let's I mean, You can't forget that too. So yeah. a lot more boxes checked with Jalen Hyatt than I think people give him credit for. Yeah, and I do really like the way that he uses his pace of speed too. Like, he, he, like there is nuance in how you use speed. And that's something that Tyler Scott also talked about at the combine. It's not just like, oh, you just run really, really fast. Like you have to be able to like control it and be able to throttle down. And I think you see some of that with Jalen Hyatt in terms of his ability to throttle down and do some of the shorter routes and, and, you know, make an impact in that regard. So again, like he started for one year in Tennessee and everybody's like, oh, like he's done developing. It's like, well, (laughs) he's 21 years old and he's played for one year. So um, I think there's a lot of room to grow for Jalen Hyatt for sure. Yep. Alrighty. I'll get into the top 40 getting up. Oh, nope. 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 Don't do it. There we go. Okay. So Jalen Hyatt comes in at 31 for me, but I'll work backwards. So Darnell Washington at 40, Jartavius Martin at 39, Kalaja Kansi 38, Mozzie Smith 37, Jameer Gibbs 36, Aditamiwa Adibare at 35, mm. Felix Anaduke Uzama at 34, Julius Brent 33, Emmanuel Forbes 32, and Jalen Hyatt at 31. Um, I do like Atatami Wadabari a lot. I obviously have him over um, Kalaja Kansi. I'm looking for Javon Dexter. I don't know where he ended up on my he list. Was- there he is. Yeah. Okay, good. Yes, yeah, so I do like him more than those guys. I just fell in love watching him. Um, not the edge rusher reps because they sucked, but the idea that he gets to play defensive tackle when he reduces inside and does what he does, I think that's yeah. really, 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 really exciting. So the film wasn't as great. I almost think that's kind of like watching Dartavius Martin try to play slot corner. I don't like the numbers weren't great there. You know, Martin gave up a lot in the slot. 
but you're projecting what I think his role will be in the NFL. And guys like Martin, guys like Edabare, I think they're going to be really, really good at what they do if they're allowed to do what they're good at. Yeah, Adebore is he's just not somebody that you can put into one spot. Like you have to be creative with him. Um, and I think for a team like the Chargers, like that would be a fantastic fit in terms of like what they're looking for. You know, you can play him as a five technique, you know, in nickel packages with four defensive linemen, right? You can put him on the inside, you can play him as an edge rusher, like in, in mm-hmm. sub packages. So you know, there's a lot you can do with him if you have the horses to do it, right? But if you're going to take him, you know, some people have said like, oh, like we're just going to put him as like a 4-3 defensive end. I'm like, I, I feel like you're mm-hmm. going to do him a disservice then because mm-hmm. you want to be able to move him around. So um, he's somebody I'm very curious about. You know, Dane Brugler um, was on Prospect Pros last week, and he thinks that um, Brian Brzee, Adetima, Adeboire and Mozzie Smith all have a really good chance of being first round picks. And I think mm. his, his like gathering is that the league is not super high on the wide receiver class. That yeah. The um, tight ends might go later than, you know, has been the consensus because there's so many of them this year. And so his thinking is that some of these teams who need defensive tackles, are going to take a defensive tackle in the first round and then wait on and, and address, you know, the, the weapon standpoint later on. And, you know, he specifically mentioned like the Bengals and the bills and the saints, all teams have been kind of linked to like taking a weapon as teams who would probably take a defensive tackle pass rusher interior guy mm-hmm. and then address, you know, getting a weapon later on. So, um, Adibari is very interesting. Like his physical traits are extremely rare. Um, and I just I don't know if he makes it past like pick number thirty five. Like I think his yeah just his traits are worth betting on. So mm-hmm. you know the film is not great. Um, you know he did some uh, have some really cool moments, especially against like Ohio State, for example, um, which is a, a good game to have some good moments, right? With two <laughs> NFL tackles on this list. So I'm very curious to see where the NFL ultimately selects him uh, next week. Yeah, it's there's a cluster of defensive tackles. It's always about you know Jalen Carter, Jalen Carter, Jalen Carter. But then there's a cluster, of, like you said, Brzee, Smith, um, Adeboire, I guess Cansey as well, if you consider him an edge or a defensive tackle, which he is. Mm-hmm. It kind of just feels like a, a pick your flavor sort of situation. Sure. Um, I still think Brzee would be the guy to go um, first of that group because of the the pedigree and everyone's known about him for years. I'm sure people have watched him for years. Yeah. Um, but there's also a lot of question marks with him too. So I think I think Brzee maybe presents the most upside, but there's also the most question marks there. Well, yeah. mm, but I would also say thing. that Brzee's freshman tape is probably the best of the of the trio. Right, and that's the thing that the NFL player NFL teams want to go for. It's like okay, we could take Uz, you know Adeboire because of what he did last year, um, and then what he could do at defensive tackle. But like, if we can make Brzee work. Like, I, listen, I, I would still not rule out the Chargers taking him if they traded back. I, I just feel yeah. they're like, oh, really big, really talented guy who works with someone that we work half our darn defensive line with anyway, who yeah. if we hit on him, he's going to be like freaking amazing. Mm-hmm. I can see the Chargers doing that. Um, feels too early. It is too early, but I would kind of get it because he is something special compared to the rest, to be completely honest. 
Yeah, at 21, it's a it's a bit rich for me for any of the yeah. defensive linemen. If they mm-hmm. trade back, you know, if they trade all the way down to like, you know, 28 or beyond, then I'm mm-hmm. I'm more okay with it. I think of the three, like I think it would be I would say Brzee one, Edamore mm-hmm. two, and then Mozzie Smith three, because I think Mozzie Smith's probably a little bit more penciled in as like uh nose two technique right. and mm-hmm. i think the other two you just get some more versatility like i think towards the end of 2022 they start clemson started kind of putting brazil as a five tech and i think that really kind of helped him get back on track mm. um you know him and darnell Wright had a lot of fun moments in, in their bowl game so um like that is something to consider for for him as well mm-hmm all right, so my 31 through 40 here. Just paste those in. Uh, at 40, I have BJ Ojolari. Uh, 39, Quentin Johnston from TCU. 38, John Michael Schmitz. 37, Julius Brents from Kansas State. 36, Matthew Bergeron from Syracuse. Somebody I feel like I'm, I'm pretty higher on than most people are on, on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, 35, I have Jack Campbell. So I know he plays linebacker, but I just I love the film. Uh, and then Brian Rizzi, who we just talked about, Sam Laporta, who we've talked about, and then Osiris Torrance, the guard from Florida, and then Jartavius Martin from uh, thirty from Illinois at thirty-one. So um, BJ Ojolari, like I really want to have him like higher. Like he's somebody who hit his film is just like so highly refined. I think he has the deepest pass rushing arsenal in this edge group. Yeah, but like I. At the same time, like everybody's kind of harping on like the the poor testing, which he was injured. He didn't have a hamstring injury, but also like I didn't really feel like he was like an elite athlete watching his tape, and then he didn't test like an elite athlete. And everybody's like, "Oh, I got to move him down a few spots." Like, I think he is what it is. Like he's a he's a technician more so than like an elite athlete. So, um, I wish I could put him higher, but I just don't think he has like the highest upside of the group um so I, I really like him I, you know film makes me want to put him higher but just like from an athleticism standpoint from a, a burst standpoint i think there's there's some concerns there yeah i i don't know what it is but i wish i'd just seen more of ojalari like ace kind of the post college you know process i guess the pre-drop yeah. process i should say um because watching him i mean he was was he edge three or four for me. I think it was edge four for me when we first recorded because everything that he can do well, like he does, there's a lot of things he does better than anybody else. Right. And you don't just like wake up and go, oh, I'm going to try a ghost technique today, or you can try that, um, <laughs> right. but it doesn't mean you're, you're going to be good at it. So you really have to work to do that. If you can do that, you can do honestly anything. You can learn so many different things, but I don't know. I, I don't know what it is with Ojolari because I don't think he moved a ton for me, but I never got to move him like, up i just never really felt like there was a reason to move him up the testing wasn't great sure but i never looked at him and thought like oh my god like this is the you know guy's gonna test really well um i didn't think he tested poorly um he also just didn't flat out test in some areas i think three different areas he didn't test as well so tough to say but um i like him for the chargers in a trade back scenario if the chargers took him and they traded back in the first round i would get it um you know i know that staley has I don't think he's drafted anyone from LSU over the last two years, but like there is a love for that conference. You know, yeah. flew his own self down to watch uh, Stingley last year and the other guys there. So, um, yeah, I, I do like Ojolari a lot. He's going to be, um, I'll just throw him up next on my list. So he's going to be 30th for me hmm. because I think there is just enough to like about him, but I do have some question marks, but still a lot of good things. 
Okay, Cedric Tillman. Uh, wow, 29. 29. Yeah, so, Ooh. yeah. Now, I didn't, so let's just for like some reference. Um, Zay Flowers is 23rd, Jordan Addison 24th, then Quentin Johnston, then Cedric Tillman. So he's wide receiver five, I believe, for me. One, two, three, four, and then JSN will be number one. Um, I just was looking at any point in this darn draft process to find any player who could do any, you know, meaningful thing against good defenses consistently. And I feel like watching some of these guys, like even watching Quentin Johnston versus Julius Brents, Brents shut him down the entire freaking game until Brents fell over. And then Johnston got a go ball on like an out and up or something yeah. uh, and scored a huge touchdown there, but almost the entire game outside of one slant shut down. Cedric Tillman was like the last one of the last wide receivers I watched. And I just fell in love. I was trying to, I, I stopped watching Calais Ringo to watch Cedric Tillman. And that's honestly probably the first time this entire process I've noticed who somebody else was while watching somebody else, because I just was like, okay, I'm going to watch Ringo. You know, supposedly he's like, maybe not the top three corner by any means, but one of the better ones. And Tillman was like, come back, come back, come back, um, mm. go ball, draws a penalty. Like, I'm like, okay, this guy has something. So I dropped everything and watched him. And then I just watched a ton of the 2021 stuff. And it's like 350 yards and three touchdowns against Georgia and Alabama. And I'm like, is there anybody in this class really outside of, well, funny enough, Hyatt on his own team who could show me that they could put up 350 yards against two of the best defense. Like that's, that's Georgia and Alabama last year too. Um, And so like, is anybody in this class able to do that? Like can honestly, does Zay flowers have a set of games like that? Yes. Against Rutgers or wake forest or NC state. But even then, I don't see 350 yards against Georgia and Alabama. And Cedric Tillman could do that. Like, and just, and it was kind of the same three things. Um, he's sort of stuck in that, let's say, Jonathan Mingo sort of thing, where it's like, you go vertically, you catch a comeback, yeah. maybe a screen, that's it. But I mean, just the way he was bailing out Hendon Hooker, the way he was able to, you know, work on contested catches, and compared to a lot of his, his um, you know, peers in this class, he can actually catch a football, which is really nice <laughs> to see. Um, kind of important. An important thing for a receiver is to receive. <laughs> um, so, yes, he can definitely do that and contested catch work. I just love him. I don't know what it is, but he, he, Johnson has the quote unquote upside. And Tillman is lower a bit for me now than he was before because he's older, not like old, but a lot of these players, like a lot of these players in his class are 23, 24. Um, it's almost not a concern for me at, at this point in this class because everyone's the same age. But he is older, and I think Johnston has, you know, some more upside. But as I've said since the beginning, like Johnston was number two in my receiver rankings before, but it was the most uncomfortable I'd ever felt ranking a player because I just like the idea of betting on him to be the number two receiver in this class or to rank him there. It didn't feel right, and just this whole process. And then, of course, then he goes and tests. Not that great. Like he, Quentin Johnson runs slower than the Chargers' average wide receiver forty that they've invested in. Like I'm like just for a moment, there his forty time is slower than what the Chargers have invested in on average, which is something. Pair that with the drop rate, and I, I said this in Discord yesterday. Quentin Johnson to me just feels like Trevor Penning last year, where I think he's talented. I think he's probably going to be good. I hope he's excellent. He'll probably go to a really solid team. If you're Pete Schrager, you gave him to the Chiefs, which means I'm going to really eat my words. Um, but if he ends up at a really good team, he's going to be awesome. But 
I don't want to find out. I just, I do not want to be the team that finds out how bad these drop issues are. And then someone posted his pro day where he's running two goal balls in shorts, dropping two passes right through his hands. And it's like, do I really want to bet on that? So, you know, he's, he's fourth on my receiver list for me. He moved down from two to four. Um, yeah, receivers is obviously the, the big thing for me here. So Flowers is two. Addison is three. So he's moved up a tiny bit. Johnson, four. Tillman, five. I love Tillman. I do not like Johnson. Yet Johnson is ahead because <laughs> I'm betting on the upside. But that's the that's the draft, I guess. Yeah, there's a there's a ton of, you know, uh, bust potential with Quentin Johnson. I think there's also a ton of like wide receiver one potential there as well. So risk reward. I think there's no better player to, you know, uh, be that kind of prospect than Quentin Johnston. I am at 39. So like I just there's you watch his film and you're just like, I want more out of yes. you. Like I want mm-hmm. you to be more physical. And like, I don't necessarily think that like the contested catch rate is like a huge concern as much mm-hmm. as just like the consistent, like lack of, of play strength that he demonstrates. And then sure. you mentioned the drop rate and that shows up as well. You know, he is an alligator arm catcher. Like he mm-hmm. wants to catch everything with his, with his body. Um, his receiver coach who trains him in the offseason talked about how like he prefers to like almost like anticipate where defenders are and then catch the ball. And so like that's why like he's late to get his hands up. And so he ends up just kind of catching it with his body. Mm-hmm. And the receiver coach was like, Yeah, that's not of concern. You can easily fix that. But it's like that's his nature, <laughs> though. That's his instincts mm-hmm. telling mm-hmm. him that I need to like look where I'm at and figure out where the defense is and then catch the ball. Yeah. And to me, that's a problem like that. <laughs> that's not something that gets easier in the NFL. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, the contested catch rate I've, I've kind of like eased up on him for, but the, just the, the consistency of how he catches the football, I think is, is a big concern. Yeah. Catching the ball in the chest is, is a huge concern. We've been frustrated by it with Charles chargers fans with someone like Mike Williams but at least Mike Williams is catching those sideline passes like impossible rates. And I mean, he's just incredible yeah. at those. And Johnson doesn't even have that. Yeah. Um, Johnson's better after the catch. Like they are two different players. People have been like, oh, Mike Williams, Quentin Johnson, two 100%. different players completely. But in terms of like slants, uh, you know, short route stuff and trying to catch the football, yeah, it's that problem is, is similar. So, you know, yeah. I hope he does well. I hope he's excellent. It's just a player that I have a lot of concerns with. And to me, you know, I would get why the Chargers would take him at 21. I would get why they'd trade back and take him. But I don't love him. I mean, again, he's 27. Like, I'm higher than, than you, and he's only 27th for me. There are other players that could fall to the Chargers who I just would prefer more. Yeah, 100%. Um, Arjun's co-host on, on their podcast, Tej, pointing this out. You know, Quentin Johnson's calling card is yards after the catch. You know, he's he's got the best yards after the catch rating in this class so like maybe that bumps him up in the in in an nfl that's really kind of mm-hmm. prioritizing it and i could see that but you know to me like people want to take quentin johnson and put him like an x receiver box and i would much rather put him in like a z receiver box yep. where like you're doing you're treating him how the titans would treat aj brown where you're doing a lot of benders you're doing crossers you're doing slants and just getting him on the move and allowing him to like kind of take that concern away from him where he doesn't have to go up and get it. Like I would rather get him the ball and get him easy catches, easy touches, let him go get yards after catch and really just like hammer that trait of his. Mm-hmm. 
Dr. B. All right. Uh, 21 through 30 for me at 21. I have Anton Harrison, the offensive tackle from mm-hmm. Oklahoma at 22. I have Mozzie Smith from Michigan, 23, Emmanuel Forbes, Mississippi state, 24 is a flowers. So pretty similar between me and you there. Mm-hmm. Um, Will McDonald from Iowa state, the edge rusher at 25. Um, is McDonald higher than this for you? Oh no. He's at 20. He's like, okay. Yeah. Uh, Darno Washington at 26, Lucas Van Ness at 27, Again, I think that he, where I have him is not really indicative of like his ceiling. Um, so yeah. 27 is is probably a little bit low, and I understand that. But um, I think from a pass rushing perspective, you know, his potential is just so, so high. But, you know, it's hard to ignore the the lack of development there. Um, Darius Rush, the corner from uh, South Carolina, who I feel like I'm significantly higher than than most people on. Mm-hmm. Uh, 28, Jordan Addison at 29. And then Joe Tipman, the center from Wisconsin at 30 so i guess this is the time to talk about zay flowers you know zay is uh basically candidate number one on charter social media for how (laughs) uh much people want to draft him at 21 and i get it i think you know he would offer a different kind of dimension that they haven't really had since i don't even know the last time they had you know a yards after the catch guy like this so um Maybe like since if the, you want to count idea. Tyrell Williams, I guess I was going to say like the Foster. idea of like Stevie Johnson, maybe like, yeah, I know Keenan compares himself to Steve or he learned from Stevie Johnson a lot. So I'd have to go back and see Stevie's yak because that also hasn't been Keenan's game. Yeah. Um, sure. I don't know. So anyway, Zay Flowers would definitely give them a different dimension, right? Of what they have. I do think he is being miscast in general on social media. Um, you know, everybody wants to highlight like the play against NC State where he went up and contested catch and just like uh just mossed the guy, right? And like, yeah. oh, like he's a vertical threat. I think if you're taking Zay Flowers, you're not treating him as like a true vertical threat. I think he can do that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but to me, he's more of like a well-rounded Kadarius Tony type where you want to do short routes, you want to do yak, you want to do end arounds, jet sweeps be creative with him and get the ball in his hands. Um, and Steve Smith did this great video with the underdog uh, fantasy yeah. guys where uh, they noticed this trend where Zay Flowers would almost like, you know, face people up and go head up and treat them. Like it's almost like a running back trait mm-hmm. where he wants to like get you like parallel with his body and then make you miss. And so I think that that's his best attribute to me mm-hmm. is his ability in space to make people miss and you know take a six yard pass and turn it into a 20 yard game i don't think you are taking him and putting him as a z and running some go balls and posts and having him split safeties and like you know throwing you know 60 yard bombs in i don't think that's his game Mm -hmm. so if that's what you want at wide receiver i think that's great again i think that's a different dimension than the chargers do need yeah but i would just you know kind of caution people thinking that they're gonna get this guy who they're just gonna you know, unlock Justin Herbert's like vertical potential. Like, I don't yep. think that's what you're doing with Zay Flowers. So I would be happy with the pick. I think it, he would definitely help the offense, but I think he is just being miscast on social media. And also like I am at 24, you am at 23. People talk about him. Like he's this can't miss wide receiver that he's this no brainer pick. You know, a lot of people have in first round grades. I, I would push back on that. We have not seen, a five nine wide receiver be like a consistent all pro pro bowl perennial player 
since Steve Smith was around. And I think that Steve Smith offered like so much more vertical ability than what Zay Flowers can give you. So I like Zay a lot. I would be happy with the pick at 21, but I push back on like the amount of hype that he has on Charger social media. Yeah, can't miss it is tough. And the first round grade thing, like I do want people, I know this is like the one of the best receiver prospects ever, but like Jamar Chase had a first round grade and Jalen Waddle had first round grade and Demonte Smith had a first round grade. That to me is who's deserving of a first round grade. You know, like I'm not saying that every player, we all evaluate different things, right? But I think people are trying to find someone to give a first round grade to for Zay Flowers and, and maybe even just like confusing going in the first round with a first round grade right but like he's dane brugler's like 32nd player in this class behind jalen hyde is like wide receiver six or seven mm-hmm. i'm not saying that's for everyone but i mean dane brugler you know he, he, him and john jeremiah are two guys that yes they do their own thing they have their own rankings but some of it's also based on how the league feels as well and i think it's notable and i'm curious where daniel jeremiah's final you know rankings are but it's notable that dane had him that low Zay Flowers is not a can't-miss prospect. I don't think someone with that height is a can't-miss prospect. And I think the people, the thing that people aren't talking about that they do with Johnson um, is the drop rate. Zay Flowers has better yes. hands, but Zay Flowers has a troubling drop rate as well. Like I believe in the 15 or 20 receivers that I had um, charted statistically, he's like 13th in drop rate, which mm-hmm. isn't you know, you know middle of the pack. I guess that's okay. But if you want to tell me about a first, you know, can't-miss prospect, he can't miss. And if he's dropping like that and he's five, nine and yeah. he's not also running a four, four, a four, three or whatever, you know, then there's some issues. Like for me personally, I feel better and felt better about Elijah Moore coming out of college because I'm sort of like a Cedric Tillman. He went to, you know, faced Florida, 150 yards, faced Alabama, 200 yards, never dropped a thing, tested through the roof. Um, outside of height, he was like a 90th percentile thing everywhere. His yards after catch were like first in the class. You know, I think that's more who I'd give a first round grade to than someone like Zay Flowers, who I have a bit more of a, mm-hmm. you know, a couple more question marks about. And I do like that you brought up the point about people can, you know, quote unquote, confusing him with being this vertical threat. I watched as much Zay Flowers as I could. I went, I watched him for the show that we did a while ago, and I went back and watched more of him. I probably watched like nine games. That's like four and a half, five hours of, of just him doing things in 2021 and 2022 he can in one play win vertically and do things that change a game and he did that and i think chargers fans are holding on to the highlights of him winning vertically rather than the film because i watched a lot of zay flowers to really make sure i I felt a certain way about him or move him down move him up or whatever and he is exactly as you described him now maybe his role can change a bit of course you love him in the short area. He's an excellent, especially for his size, blocker. He does have that physicality. He runs after the catch so well. He's just so confident with all of that. And that's what makes him wide receiver two for me. And I, I think for you as well, mm-hmm. because he's got so many things that he's good at, but you just can't characterize him as a vertical threat because I don't think he has the size nor the speed to make that work. Yes, he can lean, beat leverage. He understands blind spots very well. Every time he was winning deep, for the most part, he got some of the corner to lean one way, and he would go the other. Fake corner, go to post, that sort of thing. And that he can do very, very well. But he's not as fast as everyone hopes he is, and he's obviously not a very tall guy. So 
I love him for his potential role. I think there's a lot he can do, but I don't think he's the vertical threat that everyone thinks he is. And I definitely don't think he's a can't miss prospect. And I guess, you know, I guess final word on this is that I don't think the Chargers would prioritize someone of his size. And I won't bet that they do because they haven't. So if that changes, you know, kind of like anything we've been talking about, if if he if the Chargers go and get Zay Flowers, and you know, maybe Tillis goes, you know, everyone there's a new regime next year. Um, but if they get Zay Flowers, then maybe I'll start I, you know, working with this idea that they would go for someone who's five nine, one eighty. But until then, I don't believe it. Yeah, I feel the same way. Um, you know, college usage usage is not everything, obviously, but his average depth of target was like barely above 10 yards at BC. So, you know, you compare that with other guys who are like true vertical threats. Like Jalen Hines' average depth of target was 14 yards. Marvin Mims' average depth of target was 17 yards. You know, Trey Palmer, 13 and a half. Quentin Johnson, 13. So, you know, it's it just Paul. like you can really like see how much you know an offense is is like playing to your strengths and like again i think he can win vertically i don't mm-hmm. think that's how you are going to use him in the nfl as like the best thing like theoretically if the chiefs take him like they're not pushing the ball down the field with him like they're going to get the ball in his hands and let him just like feast after the catch like that's what the chiefs would do mm-hmm. and so i think that kind of gives you you know like a uh, potential idea with him in that regard yep all right, Tyler, let's move on to uh, the top 20 here. Okay, in my top 20, that's all the receivers, basically. So uh, 20th, Product Jones, 19, Tittman, 18, John Michael Schmidt, 17, Lucas Van Ness, 16, Peter Skaronsky, 15, Deontay Banks, 14, Dalton Kincaid, then Branch, then Smith and Jigba, and at number 11, I have Darnell Wright. Um, for some reference, this right here with Deontay Banks is my cutoff for first-round grades. Although he's kind of teetering, so we'll see how things shape out. Um, Skaronsky is a high second, but just couldn't quite get him there. Everyone after this is going to have a first-round grade. So Banks, um, the 15th player, I'll probably have 15, maybe 14, depending how I feel when I wake up, I guess, on Thursday. But yeah, 15 will be my max out, I think, for first-round grades this year. Um, yeah, that's the same kind of conversation for me. I'm surprised you had Darnell at 11. I thought he would crack your top 10. It, these darn corners, man, they just make it <laughs> difficult. Yeah, absolutely. I feel the same way, uh, although he he did make my top 10 for what it's worth. Um, so at number 20, I do have Jameer Gibbs, the running back from Alabama. Um, so it kind of gives you an idea of like how highly I think of him mm. um, in this class. And then I have Steve Avila, the interior offensive lineman from TCU at 19. Michael Mayer, tight end from Notre Dame at 18. Roderick Jones, tackle from Georgia 17, Peter Skaronsi at 16. So we both have him at the same spot. Uh, Nolan Smith, the edge rusher uh, from Georgia at 15. Brian Branch, uh, my last first round grade for me. So I have 14. You have uh, 14 as well. Um, Dalton Kincaid from Utah. Uh, so we mean you have Kincaid and Branch flipped. And then Miles Murphy, the edge rusher from Clemson, who we talked about. And then Jackson Smith and Jigba at 11. So, um, Smith and Jigba, Murphy, Kincaid, and Branch all have a seven for me, which is the, which is right at the cutoff. So um, that kind of gives you an idea of like w- how this class is viewed. Like we just talked about, like a can't miss wide receiver, right? Like even Jackson Smith and Jigba, who is my wide receiver one and number eleven overall, I would say he's not a can't miss wide receiver. I think he is a really really solid first round grade. 
but uh you know like can't miss for me are the players who are going to be like top five options and i just like i just don't see that in this class so um really like jackson smith and jigba i obviously did not watch rewatch the rose bowl for uh, obvious reasons but um i think he gives you the highest floor of this class and like I think he's going to be, you know, an Amon Ross St. Brown kind of type who can just really like give you a lot of stability from the slot, give you a good amount of yards after the catch. He's not going to be like a vertical threat, but you know, he's going to be a constant threat for like a hundred catches, 1200 yards kind of player. And I think like you, you take that in this class all day. Oh, Tyler, you're muted. Good for me. Um, I'm surprised that Dalton Kincaid is not a first rounder for you, or sorry, a top 10 pick for you, player. Yeah, I mean, uh, like, I have to be honest, you know, like, I have to be fair. And I think the film from this past season lends itself towards being a first round grade, right? But, mm -hmm. you know, he's 24. He doesn't give you uh, a ton of blocking in line. So um, he's a first round grade. But I think to be like a top 10 player as a tight end, you've got to be like a no brainer prospect, like a Kyle picks kind of, kind of prospect. So mm -hmm. um, be a little nitpicky. I mean, I have him at 13 overall. Like I, I love, love him as, as a fit as a top 15 pick, but yeah. Um, I mean, he's not without faults. Right. And as, as much as I do enjoy watching him and uh, the USC type come up, came across my uh, timeline again today, had, had a lot of fun retweeting that one um but uh yeah i think you've got to be fair about his age you've got to be fair about his lack of blocking and i think those are definitely concerns that kind of you know prohibit him from being top 10. yeah yeah well i hope you enjoy the usc film next year when you play him i will we're gonna have a lot of fun we brought a lot of guys back too so you know it's gonna be fun <laughs> okay be fun guys. those games are always fun you know it's the it's the class of the pac-12 right now yeah yeah well, the big Ten's finest we're coming at you <laughs> big 12 or whatever we are now Big, Big 16. Yeah. Big 10, yeah. <laughs> but next year, we got one more year of the Pac-12, and Pac-12 is going to be a, lot, a ton of fun this year. All right, Tyler, let's get your uh, top 10 here. All right, top 10 for me, Jalen Carter. That's a character off-field sort of thing that we're not even sure about yet. Um, the Nolan Smith, Miles Murphy, Paris Johnson Jr., Tyree Wilson. I have three corners in my top five. That's Joey Porter Jr. at five. Christian Gonzalez at three. Devin Witherspoon at two. Bijan Robinson comes in at number four. That's not a great thing. That's a running back thing. But even with how much I pushed on running backs, Bijan made it all the way to fourth. That's how <laughs> good he is. Um, the Will Anderson, yeah. number one, uh, despite Chris Sims' best efforts to get uh, Will Anderson as edge six or whatever he was. Or is it Chris Sims that did the... It was Chris Sims, yes. Yeah, of course. Um, I should put Will Anderson higher. Um, <laughs> What's higher? His effort, yes, <laughs> despite that. Um, I, yeah, Will Anderson to me one of the players we just turn on one game and go, yeah, I probably didn't need to watch anymore. Like he's just an excellent player. Witherspoon, Gonzalez, Robinson, um, you know, to be honest, like I think the four players listed here, I think are in a slightly different tier of their own, but still like first round grades for the rest of these guys here. So, yep. Still Witherspoon number two. Uh, I don't usually have a corner this high, but Witherspoon, Gonzalez and Porter jr. Three corners in my top five. Um, love them honestly and then again banks made 15th for me it, the class is that good the class is that good so i have four in my top 10 mm -hmm. uh including joey porter jr so uh oh, i forgot the junior there my mistake mr joey porter jr um <laughs> so jalen carter at number eight i have him um so part of our grades we we do also have a scale for like blue chip players um so christian gonzalez will anderson and Bijan all have blue chip grades for me 
Um, meaning like those are guys who I think you can pencil in for. Oh, that's too dark of a blue. That's fine. Okay. So those are players who I think like grade wise merit, you know, like perennial Pro Bowl consideration. So mm-hmm. um, those are our guys that I, I think are truly elite players at their position. Um, Bijan has the highest grade overall, but like I, like you said, you know, running back positional value, you, you can't put him over a corner and an edge rusher. So, um, you know, Will Anderson, again, a fantastic player. We didn't even like talk about him when we did our edge rushers. Cause it's just like, <laughs> yeah, you know, he's going to go potentially number two overall. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, generally speaking, I, I really hate player comparisons, but it's really hard to ignore, like after watching Cleo Mack all season, like how, just positively will anderson compares to him you know just from mm-hmm. a play style from a strength standpoint and you know will anderson like a lot of people will point to his his decrease in production but they had him playing inside a lot more often yeah. this year at alabama was a lot more like four eye stuff mm-hmm. and like i think he's just you know in, in a system where he could have just like pinned his ear back a, as a five technique or wider like he would have had you know an elite production and i've said this before you know, Aiden Hutchinson was a Heisman finalist last year mm-hmm. and Will Anderson had like 25 more pressures than him on the season. And like, nobody was really talking yeah. about it because it was just like, it was all like Aiden Hutchinson and Mich- Michigan was so good and everything. And Alabama's down season was, you know, uh, an 11 and two season or whatever. Right. Um, so Will Anderson is a fantastic player. And then I have Paris Johnson at number four, mm. Devon Witherspoon mm-hmm. at five, Tyree Wilson, number six, Deontay Banks, seven. Jalen Carter is number eight for me from, from a pure grade perspective, he would be right after Bijan. Um, mm-hmm. But again, just the, the character concerns, I think uh, you kind of have to bump him down a little bit. And then Darnell Wright, number nine, Joey Porter Jr. Number 10. Yeah. Honestly, for most of this process, maybe different one or two or like three versus four, but we, you and I didn't really disagree on a whole lot. I think it, well, maybe Cedric Tillman, um but overall <laughs> he's just not my style man he's not even my style i don't know what <laughs> happened um even miles murphy is not my style i feel like with this class a lot of guys that i didn't think i would like i would love or, or really like just kind of i don't know they impressed me more or they were just different from their peers enough where it's like okay thank you for being the thing that i've been looking for so um fun group as you said though i think on social media or even the last time we talked I loved the second group and the second few tiers of this class more than I did watching the guys that I, okay, yeah, they're good. Great. Like, and you move on. Nobody I really fell in love with outside of Darnell Wright and now Paris Johnson Jr. Cause he speaks Chinese. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But like, I I just love more of the players like later on, like honestly talking like 61 through 150, you know, would have almost been more fun because I just, I love some of the guys in there. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, so this this draft was was different, right? I, I think this is the first draft class where like the defensive players are like truly the focus in this group. And I think the offensive tackle tight end certainly has an argument there. But, mm-hmm. you know, I would argue that corner and edge rushers are, are the two best classes in this group. And I mean, like, look at this top 10, right? Like, you know, there's there's two edge rushers. There's three in the top 12. Um, you know, I have, uh, Nolan Smith at 15. So I have four edge rushers in the top 15. I have Mm -hmm. five corners in the top 15, you Mm -hmm. know, it's just six corners in the top 23. Like it, those two groups are so fantastic. And I understand like why everybody wants the chargers to draft a weapon. And I get that, but like from a 
from this draft class, like the strength in terms of first round talent is defense. Like this top 25 is littered with corners and pass rushers. And I think like if the Chargers take one, I think it's because they realize that they can get some really good offensive talent on day two. And I know people will hate that, but this, this top echelon of this class is it's defense, defense, defense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think I was going through the last I checked for the consensus big board. I think 30, either 29 or 31 of the top hundred players were edge or corner. Like you just, every third pick is going to be one of these players. And I wouldn't be surprised if 80% of those guys were in like top 50 or top 60, to be completely honest. Like, yeah, it's just like defense is so good in this draft. And then, I mean, some people would argue that like Jalen Carter is the best player in the draft and he's not even technically, he's not an edge rusher. He's not a corner. Um, you know, there's a lot of really good defensive tackles in here too. So yeah, I, I I personally am leaning defense for the Chargers, um, both what I think they should do and what they will do, but who knows? Yeah, I mean to your point, I had one defensive tackle in my top sixty last year. There are <laughs> in this class, so I have eleven corners with top sixty grades. I have nine edge rushers with top sixty grades. I have six defensive tackles with top sixty grades. Like it's. That's uh that's the group, man. Like this defensive, mm -hmm. this defensive front seven and cornerbacks, I think are are so much fun in this class. So, um, you know, I guess we just gotta. If you're if you see the Chargers take a defensive player in the first round next week, don't be surprised. At least we talked about it. I know <laughs> ninety percent of the media coverage is about Bijan Robinson or one of three receivers, but I promise there's other guys in the draft that are really freaking good, and I know they're not a lot of fun. And I know nobody wants to watch, you know, edge tape or corner tape or you can't even watch corners, you know, on YouTube. But I promise you, man, these guys are good. They're really good. And if it's not a receiver on at 21 or 29 or whatever, I'm probably really still happy because there's a lot of good defensive talent. And um, last time I checked, the Chargers blew a 27 to zero lead. And so defensive help is not the worst thing in the world after a game like that. Yeah, absolutely agree. And there's. There's more than one round in the draft. Like there is. Like there's there's <laughs> this concept of like, oh, the Chargers are prioritizing uh, adding weapons to Derwin James over Justin Herbert. It's like, yeah, but they can do both. Like they can. <laughs> and you know, you can add a receiver at 54, you can take an offensive, you know, playmaker at 54 mm -hmm. and do basically the same thing. So, you know, there's not a huge difference in grade from Zay to Marvin Mims for us, right? But there mm -hmm. is a pretty big drop off from you know, Miles Murphy to the next guy or Lucas Van Next to the next guy. Like, it's just, you know, defense is in play. And, uh, you know, it's just, there's seven rounds to a draft. There's two sides to the football. There's special teams as well. So you got to be able to build everything. You can't just build receivers. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I, this is it, man. This is uh, our last live show before the draft, dude. Is this year four? This is year four. This is our fourth draft, man. <laughs> our first one, we had like, 20 people on zoom watching <laughs> with us and we all lived in different places i'm sure and i mean i wasn't even engaged like oh my gosh yeah it's um, pretty crazy i was in a, in a different house you know i i had been in california for like a year so yeah were you still in school too like, i was i was up? still doing my master's program yep i feel that <laughs> I, I you're almost there. with you yeah you're almost there <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Four years, four drafts. Um, of course, it was the Herbert draft. 
Um, wish we had, I wish I had been in, you know, this whole thing for a year before we got to Herbert, but that's okay. Yeah. Like, I, I think looking back at that draft, like obviously Herbert's a big, you know, uh, scouting lesson to not necessarily punish your like the college system and everything like that yeah. i feel okay about my takes because i wanted tristan Wirfs or jedrick wills and tristan Wirfs is like one of the two best offense and tackles in the league so i feel okay about that at least he's not a, a small linebacker and playing for the cardinals that's pretty useless so i feel i feel okay <laughs> yeah that thing for me was was dumb because i was like well okay i have a first round i had four first round grades on the first four quarterbacks i don't know what i was doing i don't even think we had all 22 then no <laughs> But so it was a whole whole shit show and a mess. But I was like, you know what, man, these tackles, that Simmons guy, like they have first round grades too, and they could be even better. I'm an idiot. If the Chargers were at six right now, <laughs> and I had a first round grade on four quarterbacks, I'd be going, yeah, of course you're taking one of those guys. Yeah. But you know, the whole the things change. The way you you know you learn more things. Now I know what EPA per play is, and I know how to get to all 22. And, you know, now I'm watching Old Dominion versus Appalachian State tape, you yep. know, because things things change, man. So, um, yeah, it, it's been it's been a ride for sure. And um, we got something for y'all. Yes. Cannot wait to share what we have in the works uh, coming. So, like Tyler said, this is our last our last live draft show until Thursday. We will have another episode for you, but that's going to be uh, recorded privately. So that'll come out later on. But. I'm going to have a ton of fun next week doing the draft. Um, you know, we didn't do the live streams last year because we were in Vegas for the draft and we recorded at Blue Wires studio in Vegas that year with Arjun. So that was a lot of fun. This year, it's going to be a lot of fun as well, being able to be live with all of you guys and have, like I said, we're going to have a bunch of guests, a bunch of uh, big time shows coming next weekend. So can't wait. This is going to be, I think, the busiest and best week of the podcast since we started. And then <laughs> that's probably factual. Not. <laughs> that's not, that's a fact. Probably not even close. Uh, so, you know, this is the best side gig I could have ever asked for. Um, nothing that is coming would be possible without all of you guys here in the chat that support the show, that watch after the fact, that listen after the fact. So, um, Tyler and I are incredibly grateful for all of you guys who continue to support the show, Patreon supporters, Discord members, like, this has become something that I don't think either of us really thought it would five years ago when we really started no talking way. about it. So uh, it's going to be a lot of a lot of fun stuff next week. Hopefully you guys are as excited about it when it happens as we are, because like I said, none of this would be possible without all of you. It really feels like an us thing, like a community thing. Like I, mm. I see the same now we've done live for two years now or three years, whatever it is, you know, and seeing some of these same guys that we've been talking to for a while you know, someone like Riley, Riley Williams, who pops in here every once in a while, who like named our podcast and <laughs> we've been talking to him for a while. And yeah, it, it's just really cool to see this community. I, I just think you've embraced us. I, I sometimes I don't know what I'm doing, to be completely honest on here, because this is not my priority one, two, three or four. But, you know, I think Stephen and I and everyone we've worked with over the last few years, like worst case scenario, agree or disagree we really put in the work to make this work and that's going to pay off and it has paid off in a big way. Um, guilty as charged community listeners, everybody like come Tuesday, we're going to blow the fucking roof off of this place um, <laughs> in an unprecedented sort of way. Um, yeah. It's um, a, a dream come true. So thank you everyone. Yeah. Sincerely. We mean, we mean that uh, this has been a ton of fun. 
exceeded all expectations and uh you know continue to put in the work you know like we like i said the other day you know watching draft prospects means a ton of work it's not like we can just you yeah. know, on off youtube highlights <laughs> and be like this guy does this really well like yeah like i have scouting reports on 175 players and that's like you know not as extensive as like dane Brueger by any means you know who has like sure. oh they, they, this guy was a, a seventh round <laughs> sure. or a seventh grade shot putter and i'm like okay dane <laughs> but i mean it has like athletic profiles in there it has mm -hmm. you know like in cases of players who i watched in 2021 versus 2022 like oh like this player did this as a freshman this player did this mm -hmm. as a sophomore like jordan addison like it has like i have like almost a whole page of jordan addison stuff because you have to watch 2021 as well so um, it's a lot of work. It's a huge love project. We love doing it. Um, and, but none of it would mean anything without any of you guys watching and supporting the show. So, uh, sincerely appreciate all of you. Tuesday is going to be a ton of fun. Next week is going to be a fun, a ton of fun. And, uh, yeah, that's going to do it. So, uh, stay tuned for everything that comes next week. You will not want to miss a second of it and we will see you guys later.